Hey everybody, it's Chris here, Big Red, welcoming you to another episode of the Big Red Says Podcast. Today we are speaking with Paul Gibbons. He's a consultant, a coach, an author, and a podcast host, hosting the Think Bigger, Think Better podcast which you can find on his website at paulgibbons.net and as always i am super pumped that you join me today the audience means the world to me please reach me at chris at bigredsets.com with any feedback and if you enjoy my content please 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 leave a review on itunes that's super important and you can always view this content and more at bigredsets.com now let's get into today's episode all right guys as promised we have paul gibbons on the line super thrilled that you decided to join me today Uh, i know you're a busy guy and to take the time is super 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 awesome so thank you for that so paul i did give a quantum a quick briefing at the beginning of the episode of who you are so maybe you could go a little bit more in depth with an intro of of what you're doing where you're from and everything like that uh yeah god that sounds like 25 minutes right by itself bro uh (laughs) i have a podcast called think bigger think better Uh, i try to interview the most inspirational business leaders. I've got someone from Tesla coming on. I've got someone who's a the cabinet minister for climate change from New Zealand coming on. So, you know, I try and swing for the fences um, there. Uh, and and I think uh, the, my mission there, a mission statement I developed like 15 years ago during one of my personal growth retreats was to participate in and shape the most important conversations of our time. So so that's my shtick, is like talking to people who I think have something to say about our future. Uh, so that's that, and I, I'm a professor at a, the University of Denver. I teach business ethics and leadership, and I'm writing a book. And I got two teenage – well, one teenage boy, one uh, elementary schooler. So that's my shtick. And you said right now you're in, you're in Colorado? But you weren't yep. born there. You were born – Oh, man, I've lived all over. I've lived in France, Paris, London, New York. Uh, I was born in British Columbia in Canada. I mean, it's so messed up. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what brings you to Colorado? Uh, ex-wife said one day, uh, I want to go and live near my sister and my mom. And in a moment of weakness, I said, yeah. I don't know why I said yes. <laughs> no, actually, you know, it's a funny thing. One of the things I have a view on is is how people are when they're divorced. Like I have a friend who's in court every year with his ex-wife costing tens of thousands of dollars a year in legal fee. And she and I get along great. And so she said, I want to near, live near my mom because she can help with the children. And, uh, you know, um, she and I, her, I don't like her mom, but her mom doesn't like me. But we have this amazing relationship where we collaborate in things. Like if she needs something, I'll do it for her. I gave her my house this summer because one of her tenants went schizo. Oh, wow. So, you know, you get along great. And uh, I think it, we have the best divorce I've ever heard of. Hey, well, that's a that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm very Maybe. proud of my divorce. Right? <laughs> that's what people say, right? I'm it's, proud it, of my divorce. Right? It's on the resume. Yeah. Uh, so, so as of right now, like, what is technically – what is your your money maker? Oh, uh, you know, I um, sold my business. I had a leadership consulting firm in England uh, from 2000 to 2010. I sold that. I got a little money from that. I got a little bit of money from professoring. I'm a professional poker player part time, so I play in the World Series of Poker and I play online. And I've got, you know, I make some money every year doing that. Yeah, yeah. So, 
So, so it's a mix. It's a mishmash of things. I'm nearly 60 years old, man. Right. So you know, I gotcha. yeah. I have a I have a, I have a mishmash of, of things. I can't believe I said that. Every time I say that, I think there's no fucking way that's possible. I'm really nearly 60. 60 for me is like so old. Like I see someone who's 60 walking down the street, and I think fuck, they're old. And then I think, yeah, they're probably five years younger than you, yo. Oh man, man. <laughs> hey, you never know though. Like people these days, you could live to 120. You might have to live your life once more time over. I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, I, 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 I like have a teenager inside me. Like I listen to contemporary music. I listen to hip hop. I listen to Logic. I listen to Juice World. I listen to DJ Khaled. I listen okay, to electronic right dance music. You know, I, I play computer games, so I play competitive League of Legends, oh, you know, because I, I love that shit. So, I mean, in a way, I'm like this old professor guy. <laughs> and in a way, like I'm this like teenage boy. Well, that's I, awesome. I don't know, man. It's, it's, I don't know, man. It's messed up. It's how I am, right? Have you uh, listened to the new Eminem album? I have heard it is awesome. I've heard one track. Oh, yeah. It is amazing. It is actually yeah. amazing. And he it basically is, rips up everyone in the industry, which is pretty cool. I like it. Who's it, talented? I, I don't know if I told you this, but you know, I've been a chief executive. I've also been homeless. I was the youngest guy ever to get into medical school in the United States uh, when I was like, I don't know, whatever, I was 16, 17 when I took the MedCats. Uh, and uh, I'm also an alcoholic and, you know, spent 15 years trying to wreck my life. So, I mean, you know, I had, I, you know, I, so I'm a weird dude, so whatever. Been through some things. Well, we might dive down, down that road in a minute if, if you're okay with it. But so Yeah, you, man, I'm fine with that. So you did, you built a business from scratch and you sold it. So you went through the whole thing. So what was, what's some of the challenges of building that business? Uh, it's all about the people, that's for sure. Um, and what did you guys I, do? Like, what was the business? It was a leadership coaching business. We worked for like British companies um, doing leadership development for like their senior executives. Okay. So very, very highly paid, five thousand dollar a day, ten thousand dollar a day type coaching and strategy and leadership development work. So that's what we did. Um, the hardest thing in a, growing a business is. Um, and the mistake I made is I didn't cut back my lifestyle enough. And so you, and you're growing a business. You want to invest in ton like in new people or people business. And so I always wanted to hire the next person. And I never, ever had the money to do that. So it's always an act of faith. It's like people, my staff would be like, can't afford to hire this guy. I'm like, yeah, but he's too good to pass up. Hire him anyway. And then. They produce, but you know, it also puts you under a lot of financial pressure. So, if I were to counsel someone, um, I would say in the first two years, trim your lifestyle back to eating ramen like you're a right. college student again. And I didn't do that. Um, I just got married. I wanted to have a nice house for my wife and a nice house for the kids and all, all that kind of stuff. And I, that stuff can wait. Right. Uh, so, a little self sacrifice goes a long way, um, I would say. Uh, and then, you know, this is kind of like such an obvious thing to say, but it's all about the people you hire, man. You know, was firing people easy for you, or is that hard? I, I, I hated it. Right. I hated it. But you know, I one of the things is if someone sucks at their job, uh, you got to let them go yeah. because it, they may be better in another job. It may be just what needs to happen to them so that they can change and grow. Um, if they're in the wrong career, you're not doing them any favors, like tiptoeing around them and everything like that. So I believe in 100% compassion. You let them – you say, look, I want you to succeed. We're going to throw everything we can at you. We're going to throw the kitchen sink at you for the next six months to help you succeed. But at the end of that six months, if it's not working, 
So it's not like you wake up one morning and say, look, dude, you're out, you're fired or something like that. You go 100% to try and make it work. But ultimately, you're doing them, you can be doing someone a big, big favor. Yeah. You know? What's that stupid ass song from the 1980? You got to be cruel to be kind or some bullshit like that, whatever it was. <laughs> Remember that cheesy ass song from back in the day? You got to be cruel to be kind. In the I think it's very true, though. I, think I don't think that was even a good song when it came out. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so during this time, like, did you always believe in yourself that, that you could make it? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I always did. You know, I always did. At some level, even when I was depressed or something like that, there's always a part of me. I mean, sometimes I believed in myself when all of the evidence would was to the contrary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like even when I was like practically speaking homeless uh, and everything like that, there was some kernel of belief in myself, you know, that I I deserve more than this. I can do more than this. And, and that was what helped me take the steps to get sober and recover from, you know, alcoholism and drug addiction, all that shit. Something that I've heard a couple, well, not a lot, but a few times now is like, in order to be successful, you have to be a little bit delusional. Yeah, a hundred percent. Where did you hear that? That's 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 true. I think I think, you know, if someone told me at the beginning of starting my business, man, you know, like, like seventy five percent of startups fail. Yeah. If I'd really looked at that, and I really thought. Two years from now, I could be bankrupt and this shit could be all scattered on the floor around me. I might not have done it. But, you know, when you start a business, you're always like, and when you get married, you're always like, this is forever and we're going to be the next Google. And so a little bit of that. And uh, I just had a podcast with a dude on depression. And he says that some of that narcissism is, you know, very highly represented uh, at the tops of businesses and government. Of course, you could never elect a narcissist to the most powerful position in the world, right? It would never happen, right? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it never happened, right? No, never. Did you see, by the way, never. dude, have you seen The Black Klansman yet? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, dude, it is so good. Is it good? I saw, I saw it yesterday. It's awesome. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how good is it? Um, how good is The Black Klansman? <laughs> it's the best Spike Lee movie ever. So if you like Spike Lee, yep. I think it's the best ever. Um. You know, it depends on what you like. I like a lot of science fiction. I don't right, often yeah, see yeah. things like this. What's to but, you? Uh, to Paul? On the Paul scale? I, I'd say it's right up there, man. Nine. We're nine giving it a nine. Ten. All right. I'll, for, a piece uh, of, for a piece of political satire, uh, and it's kind of funny in places too, right? This black guy's like in the Ku Klux Klan. Right? It's like really funny. So he's talking to people on the phone, and they're like, yeah, those, you know, N-words. You know, yeah, we yeah. got to, you know, <laughs> we got to. <laughs> and he's like. Yeah, man, I know what you mean. Those N words. <laughs> so it's kind of an irony about it. That's crazy. That's yeah. good. So, question for you: Why did you start a podcast? Oh yeah, man. Um, so I want to. I'm, a, you know, whatever. I hate using this word, but I'm kind of a business guru guy, right? I mean, I started a business. I've been a consultant for 25 years, whatever, and. I want to change my game so that I'm not just talking about business anymore. So I'm really interested, for example, in truth and in what's happening in fake news. I'm interested in how corporations like corrupt the truth. For example, why can you still buy cigarettes? I used to smoke myself. God help me. Or something like that. Like if you if there was something on the grocery store shelves between the baked beans and the tomato soup that killed 
20 people a year or 100 people a year, right? They'd pull it, wouldn't they? 100%. Wouldn't last a week, no. right? Cigarettes cost, cost, even today, and it's better than it used to be, cost uh, kill 500,000 people a year. So wait a minute, and they're right you know, down the aisle from the baked beans and the tomato soup. So you think, well, how the fuck is that possible? And if you look at it, it's because in the 1950s, when there was an article in Reader's Digest magazine that came out and said, cigarettes 100% cause cancer, like 100%. The tobacco industry founded something called the tobacco research industry, which is what I call a fake tank, right? You know, yeah. there's like think tanks. There's a fake tank. It's basically, we're going to pretend to do some research, but what we're going to do is try and bend the research. And like, like they do with the climate change. Oh, you can't be sure about it. The science ah. is settled. Oh, it's urban living that's causing all these people to die of cancer. You can't really say. It's pollution from automobiles. It's the ozone layer. And so they enough they created enough of a scientific fog around it while they're lobbying with huge bucks in Washington yeah. to try and oppose any restrictions on it. So it was like a 50-year battle since the time that they discovered that cigarettes cause cancer until – Obama signed a piece of legislation, I think, in 2010. That was the sort of, quote, unquote, nail in the coffin uh, for it. So it took almost, how long is that? 55 years from the discovery that they caused cancer. And there's still, I could still walk down the street and have a pack of Marlboro. 100%. So I'm interested in big issues like how corporations corrupt the truth, how politicians corrupt the truth, how, like, pseudoscience corrupts the truth, how, like, climate change which if you believe the scientists it's the most serious threat to the planet and uh you know um why do corporate have corporations been able to spin that into saying that like there's so much doubt about it where there is no respectable scientist in the world that has any doubts at all so that's shit i'm interested in so the question is how you move from this like business dude who talks about business and business leadership and business ethics and business strategy into a dude who talks about these other issues and so I decided to start a podcast because that would get me talking to people yep. who are involved in these. I just did a podcast on Mars, man. <laughs> like I love space. Like yeah. I had this woman from the Planetary Society. She works with like this dude, Bill Nye, the science guy. And, 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 and like, you know, I got to talk about Mars for an hour with this woman, which is like awesome, man. It's like the best thing in the world. So is a ton of fun? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't pay shit. We both know that. Yep. Right? Very true. <laughs> Unless you're Jordan Peterson. Yeah. You know, or you're, not gonna buy, you're not going to make any money <laughs> on your podcast or Sam Harris or somebody like that. But, you know, it's its 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 own it's its own fun thing, man. It's its own interesting talking to interesting people. You know, you've been doing it longer than me, right? How long have you been doing it? Well, maybe I, I haven't. This is only uh, we're on month three. <laughs> oh, are you? Yeah. All right. Well, you're a noob like me. You're still figuring it out as we go along, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, how long have you been? Uh, how long have you had your podcast? Uh, uh, nine months. Okay, going on close to yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. And how how has it changed from the beginning to now? Like, have you found that you've gotten a lot better at it? Is your audience growing? I think I'm getting a little bit better at it. I'm not the best listener in the world, you know. Better talker than a listener, or whatever. Uh, so I got to really focus on shutting my mouth and letting people speak more. You know, Joe Rogan. Oh yeah, is very, oh, yeah. very clever, very charismatic, very very smart guy. For thing, uh, but he's such a good listener. Yeah, on his show, right? I had a lot of authors at the beginning, like people who'd written books, and now I'm going for more 
like inspirational. Like I'm trying to find really inspirational people from around the world. So at first I was like science, reason, professors, research, all that shit. And now more like I want to turn to more like what are the most inspirational projects that we're doing right now, which is why Mars, which is why I'm speaking to some dude from Tesla, you know, which is why I want to speak about AI, which is why I want to speak about blockchain. I want to talk about the microbiome. So that's the sort of shit that I want to talk about. I, I, you know. So this is kind of like the project that you made for yourself to kind of tap into all those other passions that you have. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's really cool. And I want to play big, man. I want to be like Sam Harris when I grow up, you know? Even though, <laughs> well, Sam, even though Sam Harris is 10 years younger than me. You had another 60 years to make it happen, man. Well, it's a funny thing, man, you know, with longevity, right? Because I turned 50, like, when did I turn 50? Um, eight years ago. And uh, I've been working for, like, 30 years since I was 20. But with longevity, like, I'm going to live to, like, probably statistically living to close to 90, right? So I thought to myself, I've been working for 30 years, but – if this is right, I could work for another 40 and all of the crazy stuff I've had, all the careers, the investment banker, the consultant, the this, the that, the that, the that, the that, the, all the crazy shit I've done, I can do that and more. Yeah. I was like, wow, wow that's like inspiring. It's also inspiring. <laughs> it's also kind of like scary, right? It's like because there's all this potential. I don't know if, uh, if you feel this or any of your guests feel this or your listeners feel this. It's like with all that potential out there, it's almost like a scary thing. You know, so like, oh, there's so many things I could do. And, yep. you know, so anyway, yeah. Well, that's well, a large part of the audience here is like, I'm going to say roughly like 20 to 35 is kind of like my my audience. And I think that's exactly how you feel at 25, because it's like you're going down one path. But with the Internet, there's like a million paths you can go down and you just don't know which one is like really for you. You know what I mean? I'd say this I'd say this about marriage and I'd say this about careers is like when you're in your 20s sometimes being in your 20s is more about finding out what you don't want to do yep. than finding out what you do want to do you know um because you grow up and you go to college and a lot of that social pressure parental pressure peer pressure uh, whatever and you know everybody has all these fucked up notions about what they want to be I wanted to be a mathematician when I was like 13 right okay I was a loser whatever <laughs> never went out with a girl <laughs> But, you know, and it changes over time. And I think when you get to be 20, you're like, you discover like, oh, I thought I wanted to be, uh, you know, X, but X is kind of really fucking lame. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so and then you have to have the courage to say, OK, X is really, really lame. You know, what else is out there? So it's that's just, what my, it, that's what it was like for me. I think something that's super undervalued that maybe pop culture should consider talking about is like self-awareness. Yeah. It's like. Knowing what, and that comes down to it, like knowing what you don't want to do and knowing what you're good at, and is just super important because that kind of helps you down the path of, of. And I've only started thinking about self awareness honestly last year, trying to figure out you know where I want to ultimately end up at, because uh, you know think with the end in mind is one of the, the habits that we should embody. Um, but I have a real question my, for you. That's my favorite book, man. Is it? That's like what my favorite personal growth book. I don't think there's been a really a better personal growth book. I mean, he didn't say everything there was to say in that book. But I thought that was sheer fucking genius. Changed my life forever, that book. Yeah, I think he released one after that with some extra I don't know about but... He wrote, he wrote um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And then the next book he wrote, I think, was called First Things First, yeah, yeah. which is just Habit Three. Yeah, right. Time Management. And then I think he wrote Principle Centered Leadership. I mean, I was a Kobe acolyte. 
yeah. for like a decade. I still use this shit every day. I oh, use yeah, time management tools 100% every day. Yeah. So if you're interested, if you're interested, there's almost no better place you can go than Seven Habits Highly Effective People. Well, it's everything, and, and even the uh, like Think Win Win. That is like just not something that happens in like our society. There always has to be a loser, which I find really. Oh, really unfortunate. I think you would probably know better than anyone in business. Trump is the king. Of, Trump is the king of that shit, right? He doesn't see trade, for example, global trade is like a win-win. Like America wins and China yeah, wins. 100%. We get some things, they get some things. He doesn't understand that. It's all about winners and losers. Yep. Which, if you're in the world of being a property speculator and a real estate deal maker, that's kind of the way it is, right? But trade isn't zero sum. Like when we trade with Canada. We make Canada more wealthy, and Canada makes us more wealthy, and it's a virtuous circle. Exactly. And starting to unpull something that's taken 60 years, the global trade agreements or everything like that, and pick that apart at the seams, it's so scary, man. It's it is so scary. It is scary. And for a lot of us, especially me, I, don't under, I, don't, I can't even begin to understand understand like the, the complexity and depth of it because it seems like one of those things like we're going to stop trading this, and that just has a ripple effect that I feel like it's just so hard to know what is really happening. Like, how does the everyday person understand this? Well, it's interesting, right? So, uh, well, there's two things about it, like unintended consequences. So when Trump raised the prices on steel and aluminum imports, right? Harley-Davidson makes motorcycles in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, one of the industrial heartland of America. And, of course, all of a sudden, the price they have to pay for their steel and aluminum goes up. And they either have to raise the price of their motorcycles or if they're not able to do that, because you can't just raise them because people won't buy a freaking Harley. They'll go buy a freaking Honda. Yeah, right? exactly. Uh, so there's limits to what you can do that. So they said, oh, well, we're going to have to make these things in the Philippines because then we'll be able to get our steel and aluminum and we're going to move our manufacturing things. So instead of gaining America jobs, it's costing America jobs. And that's what he doesn't understand. But you see, the difference between you and Trump is you said, I don't know much about this shit. You know, I'm really curious, like, how do people know about that? He's, I don't think he's ever uttered those words in his fucking <laughs> life. I mean, when he was campaigning, he was like, I know more than the generals about ISIS. I know more than trade about anybody. These are direct quotes, by the way. I'm not exaggerating. I'm not, you know, he says, nobody treats women better than me. That was a fucking direct quote from Trump. Nobody treats women better than me. So, I mean, like, the guy is like yeah. insane and he's he's ignorant i would say there's something from psychology called the dunning kruger effect which is something psychologists said is cognitive bias which just means the less someone knows about something the more sure they are of their beliefs so you've got ignorant guys like him running around being like super duper sure like of what they say is true and he's got a bunch of people who are dumb enough to believe what comes out of his mouth so it's a scary scary situation man the thing like the thing i always find interesting about the whole thing with trump i know he's a popular topic but like in my how opinion, do we turn to trump <laughs> like, like i feel like to be the president i mean there most people wouldn't want that job but in some ways it's put on a pedestal like that is the ultimate version of success so how does someone with all these qualities you know like like they say to be successful like you need to be curious and you need to be caring and how does the most successful person in the world embody none of these qualities? Is it like yes? It's, a- it's crazy. Well, I don't think he's the most successful person in the world. Whatever. I mean, he's got certain amazing by, skills. By I mean, he works. He works a crowd like nobody's business. Yeah. Nobody works a crowd like Trump. Nobody. It's like sharks around a piece of you know a big dying tuna fish. 
You know, they, he gets them in a frenzy. Have you been to one of his talks? Him. Like, have you seen him speak? Oh, fuck no. Oh, Jesus. You wouldn't be caught dead there, huh? I, I would, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've, you kind of want, I mean, even when he was like the 14th place candidate for the Republican nominee, right? So, you know, when Trump decided to run, I'm like, nah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're, it up. we're so all slapping I. ourselves like that, moron. How the fuck is he going to do that? You know, like three months later, he's the front runner. So we have to ask ourselves as thinking people like, how the fuck? Did that happen? Because there were better qualified people than him. There were better speakers than him. And the Republican Party, there are certainly more intelligent part, like most of them are more intelligent than him or something like that. There are guys like Marco Rubio, who's, you know, I don't agree with them on anything, but he's smart. He's rational and he's passionate. and He's a superb speaker. Right. How does Trump beat guys like that? So we have to ask ourselves that question because I'm not sure I have an answer. And everyone in Canada that I spoke to about it. Never thought it'd be possible, and they, a lot of people here despise the guy. But it seems like everyone I talked to from the states is in the same boat. So I always ask myself, who voted for this guy when everybody seems to be, or maybe just the people I talk to, I have that bias of my influence. Just, just I attract no, the people. Dude, it's, it's called the majority of uh, the majority illusion. It's like a, a, a an effect of networks. It's um. Because our networks are composed of people who are similar to us, yeah, it yeah. looks to us like no sane person could believe this stuff. But if you're a trumpet, it looks to you like no sane person could believe that in climate change or yeah. no sane person could believe that Hillary Clinton's not the most evil, crooked person Weird. ever on the planet Weird or concept. no sane person could believe this. I have a friend in Florida who listens to Fox News day in and day out, right, which is not the most extreme anymore it used to be the most extreme yeah. but now you've got right bar the daily caller the daily stormer with its zig heil white nationalist bullshit and uh so it's not fox scary not the most extreme web uh uh guy in town alex jones you know nut jobs like that so like uh yeah anyway uh i i can't talk to him because from his world in his world with the people he surrounds himself with and he surrounds himself with Fox News and Breitbart. That's the only possible rational worldview. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the rest of us are deluded, you know, pinko liberal fags, you know, or whatever he thinks about us, right? You know, whatever people on the right think about. European socialist fag commie atheist. Oh, <laughs> Something like that. What a world. I mean, that's what... What? What a world do we live yeah, in. I know. I know. I know. I don't know. Anyway. I guess kind of getting back on track, if that's what you want to call it. Something I'm always really curious about is I noticed that you've written quite quite a number of books. Um, what's your process for writing? Do you just start writing or do you kind of like, yeah? No, I think about what I want to write for a long time usually. I'm, I'm thinking right now about what I want to write next, whether I want to finish this book I started called Truth Wars or whether I want to move on to something and, and write uh, a, a bit, a sort of a business book again. Right. So I, I don't really know. So I spend a lot of time incubating, but the, there does come a time, I will say this to people who want to write, it's where you have to stop all that I just do it. Right. It's like you think about it, you think about it, you think about it, you reflect about it, you journal about it, you write about it, you use whatever your process is, and then you fucking stop and do it. Because, you know, there's ne- I'm never going to be 100% sure. Like, there's always going to be a part of me that's like, okay, what if I'd written that other book, right? Yeah. There comes a time when you just stop entertaining those thoughts. This is the right book to write. I'm going to write this until it's done, and I'm not going to write it anymore. And I do believe that 
I'm right now, I'm in the mess of, oh, should I write this? Should I write that? Should I write this? What about this? This one won't make any money. This one won't sell shit. This one won't satisfy me. I won't enjoy writing it. Like I'm in that mess right now, but there'll come a stage where I'm just going to say, okay, I'm over all that. Yeah. And this is what I'm doing, right? Now, do you, are you like a pen and paper guy or are you typing it out? No, I type. Okay, yeah. uh, actually, a little of both. Yeah. Sometimes I'll scratch out like the notes of a chapter. Like if I get some idea about something, I'll just like write, 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 and a piece of paper will look so gross, right? My handwriting is so terrible or something like that. But I just feel like I have to get this down. Uh, so I won't write like whole sentences, but I'll write notes Ideas and outlines. And, and reflect that. on it after. Yeah, I have a book. I have a, uh, a little uh, – it's, it's not behind me, but whatever, uh, which I use to – to capture all the thoughts for the book. But then basically I write straight into Scrivener, which is a writing tool that I recommend for everybody. It's like a hundred bucks, but it like super good at organizing um, writing. It's much more writer friendly than Microsoft Word is. I mean, Microsoft Word is the shit, no question about it. But Scrivener is for writers, for research, for writing, for organizing. You could move shit around like this and all that kind of stuff. It has cork boards for your ideas and it's wild shit. So, if you have any writers, want to be writers, Scrivener is a very good tool. And uh, I'm kind of glad you brought up that book because my first thought is even before I'd read one of your books, I would, I would want to see that book and like the notes you take because I always find the process so interesting. And like when I watch someone's podcast, I love their content, but I actually want to watch them record the podcast and see the process. So I think at some point maybe publishing that somewhere would be a cool idea. There's something that I do better than almost anybody else is now is that using the Stephen Quad Covey four quadrants. I could show you that. So this is like my four quadrant. Like that's what, uh, 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 yeah. And I use, uh, for those readers who are unfamiliar, the second quadrant is the stuff that's important but not urgent is I make sure every week I'm thinking about what's the stuff that's not urgent, but that's really going to add value to my life, you know, long-term value to my life. And so, um, and one of the things I think that I also do that a lot of people don't do is I spend some time every week and some time every year reflecting on the direction that I'm going. Like if you don't reflect every week on Sundays or Mondays or Fridays, whatever suits you, about what your priorities are for next week, they'll be set by other people. You know, if you, especially if you work in an organization like many of your listeners might be working for somebody, right? Few people have the luxury. A lot of people work have nine to five jobs. And so if you work in an office, right, if you don't think about what my priorities are for this week, they'll be set for you. They'll be set by incoming emails or they'll be set by some asshole asking you to do something or something like that. So if you don't get control of your life and your calendar and your time, then somebody else will get control of it for you. Yeah. I completely agree. I wrote an article a little while ago all about how, like, just the importance of reflection because I do think it's super, super important regardless of the situation and kind of reflecting on what you enjoyed about the week, what you did enjoy about the week, what you could have done better and how you can bring that forward and like what you want to accomplish. So I think reflection is super, super important. Um, so question for you. Yeah. I guess we've kind of touched on a little bit, two things actually, because I actually forgot my question, but then I just remembered it. Um, have you thought about converting any of your books to audio books? My big book, that's a sort of business bestseller. I don't own the rights to it. So one of the things when you get a big publisher, again, if you have any friends who want to write, 
you get a big publisher, it looks good. So I have a New York publisher that I call the Financial Times Press. They're the second biggest in the world, Pearson. And um, whatever. And I thought I was a first-time author. So I'm like, yay, I got – like uh, that's like hitting a home run, like the first time at bat in the major leagues. It's like awesome. And then you find out they control all the rights to the book. So I think it should be a paperback. They're like, whatever, dude. It's in hardback. I'm like, I think it should be $20 cheaper because it's like $50. This book is absurd. Who spends $50 on a fucking book? Um, even the Kindle's like $39.99. I mean, really? So all of that, I can I can express my opinions and they can just completely ignore me. I'm like, how about we do an audio book so people can listen to this on drive and plane or anything like that? They're like, whatever, dude. So you do all the hard work. They take 85% of the revenue. And you have no say in what they do with your book after that. So it's a really, it's like a poison chalice. I mean, if I'd self-publish this book, I think, I think it would have sold at least as many and I'd have had a hundred percent of the revenue, but it would have had, where's the, where's the damn thing? I don't even know if I keep it around anymore. Cause I like, I'm someone that loves books and I, I only do audiobooks now because it's like see that's that's amazing and they're just leaving money on the table right I mean it doesn't cost much to record an audiobook I can't see it I got everybody else's books but mine <laughs> you know I have more than five thousand books you got a little library in there there's a new business yeah this is about two hundred right here or something like that I got about five thousand books running around it's insane I'm such a junkie you know uh, I always said I always said. Uh, Someone says, what kind of girl do you like to go out with? And I said, somebody who spent more on books than they do on jewelry. <laughs> hey, hey, that's... that's More than they spend on books than jewelry and makeup. I I can't disagree with that one bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my sister's like this American business chick, and she spends like... I think she spends like $200 twice a month getting her hair done. Well, I mean... I'm like, wow, man. That's not a problem I have. I don't understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, Paul doesn't have any hair, but he looks great. So, so that's a good thing. Oh, people are just listening. Yeah. Oh, they won't see my my baldy. No, they they may if they really if they really want to, they can make it happen. Um. Anyway, let's, let's back on track a little bit. So, what if you have? Maybe you've never thought of this before, but what is some of the best advice you'd have for twenty five to thirty five age group? I think happy be. be- be patient with yourself about you're in the process of finding out like the person you want to settle down with, marry, maybe not marry, but whatever, have kids, not have kids. Uh, These are fairly momentous, life-changing decisions. Do I want to work for the man, 95, or do I want to work for myself? Um, And sometimes working for an organization is the best training for working for yourself. Like I was a consultant for, oh, fuck, well, it was a long time, 25 years, or something like that. And, um, that taught me some skills which are essential if you're going to work for yourself. Right? Yeah. So, so have some patience with that. Um, um, I think it would be one is that you're still like people, there's this idea you have when you're like a teenager, like when I'm 18, I'll be an adult. Yeah. No, you won't. No, you won't. You still won't know jack shit. Right. And even when you're 28, you'll still be figuring out, you know, which way is up. Um, and, I'm 57 and 11 twelfths. Uh, and I'm still 
figuring some shit out. I'm still trying to figure out should I be a writer or should be I be a professor? Or, yeah, yeah. You know, I still have questions like that all the time. So have patience with yourself. It doesn't like when I was unemployed, when I was like homeless, I was like, one day the sky's going to open up and God's going to say, this is your mission in life. You're going to spend the next 60 years doing that. Never happens. It's a process of discovery. It's a process of self-discovery. It's a process of discovering what's out there in the world because you don't have 100% information right now. So that process of like, oh, wow, this is cool shit that I could do called podcasting. Oh, you know, or you find out more about yourself. Like one of the things I really think I suck at is X. So I'm not going to do that. And so that kind of self-discovery, discovering more about yourself, discovering more about the world is a lifelong process. Like I'll still be doing it when I'm 90. So have some patience with yourself. Yeah. But 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 do it. <laughs> yeah. Do your thing, but just make sure you do it. And yeah, so figuring out what you enjoy. So one of the things I do want to bring up really quick, because I think right now, or managing just right now, but there's like a weird stigma thing kind of happening that like entrepreneurship and doing your own business. Like I understand that you will probably make more money and you are kind of your own boss, but it's just not for everyone. And there's a lot of people that even I speak with on the on the almost a daily that like, oh, I wish I had my own business, but I'm not sure they do. Yeah, they don't want. They obviously don't want to have it back enough. That's just a, a moan or a complaint. It sounds like the grass is greener on the entrepreneurship side, but I'm not fully convinced it's, that it is. It sounds it, like it's a, no it's no picnic, dude. You know, you can look out. Even I'm an experienced dude. I, I've been doing this for a long time. I've been on my own since 2001, and. Even I look out and go, oh, I have no income in November. And I have kids and a car payment and whatever. Like, it still happens. Yeah. Like, I look out now, you know, and I have people talking to me about consulting work. Oh, how would you like to do this shit? And how would you like to come do this? And how would you like to give this talk? But until you sign on the dotted line, you don't know about anything like that. And so if you can deal with the uncertainty of not knowing where your next meal is coming from for a little while, obviously, yeah, you yeah. know, once you make it. You make it. But but even I'm established consultant, you know, I, I don't have – I have some stuff I'm doing in September, but I don't have anything in October, November lined up yet. Now, I've been doing it a long time, so stuff always happens. Yeah. Um, but working for yourself is no picnic. And if you start a business, like formally, you know, 75% of the time, it will go tits up. Yep. Well, all right. So you're prepared to take the risk. So – you know, people make themselves miserable by working a nine to five and saying, oh, I wish I was running my own business. No, you know, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe you don't. Yeah. And maybe that conversation that's going around in your head about I should be running my own business is just making you miserable. Yeah, true. You know, you know, there's a there's a thing like you want to spend time reflecting which is different than ruminating or complaining. Yeah. Like reflecting is like, I have this complaint about my life. Okay. It's called, I want to start my own business. Okay. So let me think about the practicalities and the risks and what kind of business and whether I have the cash flow and whether I'm really inspired by it. And then I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. Right. So that would be positive. That would be reflection and then action. And then there's the other dude who's like, has this complaint. And he'll have this fucking complaint for 20 years, you know, like I could have been a contender, right? And he's – during that 20 years, all he's done is made himself and everybody miserable around him has to listen to his bullshit, right? Like I could have been a contender. I could have started my own business. No, dude. No. 
no, no, you're wrong. You know, so reflect on that stuff. If you have like, I want to start my own business, like positively turn your mind and your attention to it and then either do it or don't do it. But if you're not going to do it, shut the fuck up. Right. And live your life that you have. And don't try living the life that you don't have or that you could have had or that you ought to have or whatever. Right. That's like personal growth 101. Exactly. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Maybe not 101. Maybe 301. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, because that, again, like everything you're talking about, the whole self awareness piece. So it's just like, don't start a business because you think it's the cool thing to do or the right thing to do. Start it because you understand yourself that you can deal with the risk and the adversity and all that crap that comes along with it. Um, so that's my piece on that. And I think you're very right. I like what you said about the reflection piece, actually kind of asking yourself those important questions because then you're making progress. The progress always feels good. It does. It does. Yeah. It's not always a straight line. But you're doing great. I mean, you're out You're out there, you know, shaking the bushes. Like it takes courage to start a podcast. I looked at your website and you've put a lot of time into making it look right. You put a lot of time into getting great guests. Are you thinking about monetizing it yet, or are you still in the sort of pre-monetization, um, build an audience stage? I, that's a, something that I reflect on, and my thing is is that like I've, like like we've all been through the struggle, right? And I found my way out of it, for the most part. Like there's always up and downs, but like I feel like I'm in a place now where I'm very I'm feeling like creative and I'm giving and and, and I like that and I want to build an audience, just give free, 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 free. And then maybe down the line, I'll go in for the right hook for, with an ask, with a shirt or a hat or something. Like, but my, right now, it's mastering the craft, building the audience, and kind of almost going at it blindly and see what happens and see what it leads to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I look at, I mean, I get 10,000 maybe listeners. So I think I've crossed the 10,000 mark, but... So I think Sam Harris has a million. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's lots to do. I mean, he's obviously, if you like that kind of intellectual stuff, he's, he's the man, right? It's a big pie out there. I think there's a, I think there's a, there's a huge pie and I think everyone can get a little piece of it. I honestly do. I don't know if I want to be like, this is another question. Like, so, okay. So I've decided I'm going to be a podcaster. By the way, for your listeners, my podcast is called Think Bigger, Think Better. But, um, I decided I want to be a podcaster, but do I want to be more like Gary Vaynerchuk or, or Joe Rogan or, or Tim Ferriss or Sam Harris or like, or God help me, Jordan Peterson? Um, you know, who do I want to be emulate? Do I want to do the more intellectual stuff or the more inspirational stuff? Yeah. Um, Maybe you'll be so your I'm, own guy. I'm still learning. Somewhere like you're still learning. Yeah, that's right. But you know, we always have something oh, in mind. Like yeah, when yeah. I when I started, I looked at Sam Harris's website, Sam Harris's shit, and I thought, you know, he's the man, right? Um, but then, no. Upon reflection, I get the same kind of guests as he gets, but I want mine to be more practical. So I've learned something. Yeah, yeah. It's like Sam Harris was like God, and I've learned. Well, I could be like Sam Harris. Well, uh, wouldn't it be nice? But. I want to be more practical and more inspirational because he's more academic and philosophical. Right, right. And so I'm learning as I go, like what's good and what's not good. And then I get feedback for listeners. You know, uh, I had a guy say, your intro is too long. Shut the fuck up and get to the guest. You know, fair. that's useful. Thing to, that's useful to hear. Yeah, no, right? fair. And, and that's yeah. especially for, especially from a fan, right? Yeah. I'm a fan, but shut up and get to the guest. Did you ever get a point? Cause sometimes I feel this way, but, not always. It depends on my mood, I guess. But do you ever get to a point where 
I guess it's not even true. I never really, really felt this way. I think it, but I don't actually feel it. Like, at the beginning stages, was it hard when you weren't getting a lot of feedback just to keep going? Because then you're asking yourself, why am I doing this? Oh, yeah. Like, I look at the first episode, 150 downloads. Yeah. I'm like, what? Really? Yeah. And the guy I was doing it, who does some production for me, he said, well, that's actually pretty good for a first episode. I'm like, you're kidding. It's like, oh, okay. All right. It looks pretty shitty to me. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So there is that. Um, and if your podcast listenership, I mean, I don't know. Are you weekly? More or less weekly? Every, every Tuesday, yeah. Every Tuesday. So if your listenership grows 10% a week, uh, I, I'd have to do the math. But you double every eight weeks yeah. or every seven weeks. I can't remember whatever the math is. You double every seven or eight weeks, and so that over the course of a year, you double uh, six times roughly over the course of a year. And two to the sixth is uh, what? Oh, two four two oh four eight. So you're two thousand times bigger at the end of the year. Than you were at the beginning. So you can tell I used to be a math math. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you'd be two thousand times bigger than you were at the at the beginning of the year. So if you're just growing ten percent a week. So that means going from 150 to 165 listeners in a week. That's like huge. That's huge. Like that. Yeah. Do you, do you market you your own podcast? That. But at the time, but at the time, you think, oh, yeah, 15 more people. What to do, right? <laughs> True. I, I'd be okay with that. Do you? Uh, do you market? Uh, yeah, your... I do. It, I do it all myself. You do it all yourself. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have a guy who's helping me. I have a guy actually. You should get on. By the way, he's called Dan Blum, and he's your age. He's I don't know what your age is, but he's 28. I'm 28. And he and some of his people went around South America on a, on a school bus, just visiting countries and podcasting all the way around. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And they just like went on this amazing adventure. They funded it with Kickstarted starter and, uh, they just took the bus all the way around and visiting indigenous communities, visiting the very rich, the very poor, the artists, the politicians, the farmers. They visited a cocaine laboratory up in, you know, Narcos land <laughs> and watched them making co cocaine. So this was like their odyssey in this journey. So I, I should hook you up with him yeah. because he, if you're, a lot of your listeners are in their 20s, yeah. this guy Daniel is, uh, is quite character. So I'll hook you guys up after the show. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be very good. And he has his own podcast too, so this like this thing that cross podcasting yeah. is something. Yeah, I think it's smart because you're kind of like sharing that audience. But yeah, anyway, we're get. I think we're kind of getting close to our time here, so I really, really appreciate you coming on. Now, do you have anything final you want to say? Maybe your tell us your website links, what they could find there. Uh, oh. Yeah, well, look up the podcast at Think Bigger, Think Better. I'll put that in the show notes. By the way. Think bigger, think better. And my website is paulgibbons.net, which has all this biographical bullshit and corporate speaking stuff. So, you know, whatever. I, I doubt anybody's interested in that. So, but anyway, that's paulgibbons.net. Uh, I do have a mailing list, which comes out like when I release a podcast, I send around a newsletter. But, you know, so yeah. But anyway, think bigger, think better is like, I think my main project for right now, what I'm passionate about. Yeah. And I appreciate you, man. I, I appreciate you and all you're doing and all you're giving back to the world and all this great stuff, man. Let me know if I could do anything for you, of course. I think we should stay in touch. This was one of the better conversations I've had for sure. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Take Paul. Take it easy.
Take it easy, man. All right, guys. Hope you really enjoyed this episode. A little bit different structure, more of a conversation than a Q&A, which I really enjoyed. The conversation, I think, went uh, off topic a few times, which I actually really enjoyed. So I hope you did too. I'm going to try to kind of get more down that kind of path rather than having such structure. So if you enjoy it, please let me know. It means the world to me. And I hope you guys have an amazing night.